I think that's what circling is doing, uh, is giving people the experience of really just being able to see what they feel and see what they know and, and um, really just be able to spin out the experience that they're having um, in a very safe environment and where people are not trying to change them, but just trying to help them know what they already know at some level or see what it is they need to discover in a situation that they're struggling with. Welcome everybody to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prevo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hey, welcome everybody to this episode of the Circling Method as a Communication Practice. And I have a conversation with a returning guest and a very dear friend of mine, Greg Lavoie. And Greg has been really diving into his circling groups over the past year where people get together and they practice a communication tool that is authentic relating, that brings a real presence to the way people are seen and heard, which actually gives them a sense of really knowing themselves more. I did another podcast about a year ago, Couples Communication, Circling Techniques. That was episode number 103, and I did that with Kathy Courtney. And what I love about the Circling Method is that it will teach you the art of getting someone else's world in a way that has them feeling seen, known, appreciated, and perhaps more deeply than they ever have felt that before. And these skills also really help your capacity to bring truth, authenticity, and connection to every relationship in your life. So even though Greg and I talk about his experience with circling in a groups, this is definitely also a one-on-one experience that you can have. So, Let me tell you a little bit about Greg. For those of you that have not listened to several of our podcasts in the past, Greg Lavoie is the author of Vital Signs, The Nature and Nurture of Passion, and also the book Callings, Finding and Following an Authentic Life. And Greg is a former behavioral specialist at USA Today, and he's also a regular blogger for Psychology Today which he also has a blog article on circling. He is also a lecturer and seminar leader in the business, educational, governmental, faith-based, and human potential arenas. And like I said before, he's a very dear friend of mine who now lives in Santa Cruz, California. So I don't get a chance to see him often, so I love when we have these conversations also. And before we get on to the conversation, I have a couple things that I would like to say in regards to my appreciation practice of people that have recently donated to my podcast. I would like to thank Adrian in North Carolina and Barry and Eileen in North Carolina. I'd also like to thank my longest three-year monthly donor, Ilse in Denmark. Thank you so much for 
your support of my podcast. It means a great deal and it is a big help to get this production out to you all. So if you are interested in supporting the podcast that way, you can go to my website, prepo.com, and you can click on support the podcast. You can leave a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. Thank you so much, everybody. And there are still spaces available for a live Zoom workshop for couples, The Art of Apology. It is on Sunday, April 24th, and also another option on Sunday, May 15th from 1 to 5 p.m. This is a great gift to give both of you as a couple to practice the art of apology, deep, remorseful, sincere apologies. It can transform resentments. It can clear all the funky buildup from years that have gotten in your way of a loving and clear connection. And I will walk through a process so you can learn a new way to be able to do this that will transform your relationship. You can find more about the workshops at prepo.com. You can click on the Relationships Let's Learn About a page and you will see it on the online workshops. Would love to see you there. Okay, everybody, here we go. Circling method as a communication practice. My conversation with Greg Lavoie. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. All right, you're ready to roll. That's what you told me. You're ready to roll. Yep. Thanks so much, man, for wanting to come back and have another conversation with me and um this one's a cool one this is a juicy one on on authentic relating and good communication techniques for for people uh aspects of circling so welcome back greg thank you much delighted as always to be here Mm -hmm. so how did that come about for you that you dived into the the focus of circling techniques as a communication style and that kind of community of authentic relating. Yeah, actually that came about through a mutual acquaintance of ours, um, which is Mo Bruce, Mm -hmm. who I, I gather you, you've interviewed yourself on the podcast. Yeah. Um, That's when I did with her was love addiction. So, Oh, I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, she's quite a mover and shaker, and she was the one who introduced me to the concept of circling. And um, because she was uh, co-leading, I think, the group with Kathy Courtney Smith, mm-hmm. um, they invited me to come. And this is something I wasn't particularly familiar with. Um, I think I understood some of the basic idea about circling, but it was quite an education to actually be thrown into it. And um, for people who are not familiar with this, this um, technique called circling, um, I, I can sort of give them a little, my own little take on what it seems like to me. I'm thinking back to a book that was popular back in the, I think the 1960s, maybe early 70s, called Stranger in a Strange Land, Remember, this is a sort of classic sci-fi novel, but it was, it was the book that introduced into our language the concept of grokking, 
right? You know, this term to, to grok somebody. I don't know, man. That sounds like a, a like a sexual healing type. <laughs> no, it is a kind of a healing, but it, I don't think it's specifically that kind. To grok, G-R-O-K, to grok somebody means to understand them really deeply. Hmm. And to feel grokked is to feel understood really deeply. So this comes from a book called Stranger in a Strange Land by a, a sci-fi writer named Robert Heinlein. And I think of that, and I mentioned that at the top of the podcast, because um, anybody who knows the feeling of feeling grokked by somebody else, whether you use that terminology or not, in other words, really seen, really known, really understood in any given conversation or interaction, you know the experience that's at the heart of circling, because that's their whole agenda is to get into each other's worlds and really try to experience what life feels like from them from the inside out to really listen deeply and understand them and um and encourage them to bring out who they really are around some issue that maybe they're dealing with and to really get them really get their world and that to me is the power of the uh, circling technique, which I think is under a larger umbrella called authentic relating. Um, and so I, uh, so here I am, I'm a communications major, <laughs> you know, and I thought I understood communication pretty well, but it's really interesting to feel uh, something that I'm normally, I think above average at, Suddenly, I'm feeling um, below average. Suddenly, I'm feeling like I'm tripping over myself constantly. Um, and, you know, this is, I've, I've been in uh, not only journalism, but um, I've been in consciousness raising groups since high school. I have 30 years of men's group work, personal growth workshops. I was even married for 20 years. Um, but here's uh, a conversational style that just was constantly and still to this day trips me up because it's just not business as usual to, to keep all the focus on um, somebody else in the course of a conversation or a process and not try to fix them, problem solve, um, squeeze my own agenda in there or turn the conversation back to me. Is that, is that the, like the main difference, I know a lot of people are very focused on like nonviolent communication, and I know that you've taken nonviolent communication. Right. Is that the main di difference? Is with circling, it's really focused on the receiver, that the other person, as opposed to owning feelings and and using I statements and so forth with nonviolent communication. Oh yeah, that's good. Good catch. Yes, that's that's exactly my experience. Um, it isn't about making I statements unless it's, I feel a pit in my stomach when I hear you talking about X. How does it feel to hear me say that? Mm. You know, you can, you, can, you can make what they call impact statements. Here's how what you just said landed inside of me. How does it feel to hear that? You know, and so um, let, me, let me just back up a quick step. Um, let's say there's a group of 10 people in a, in a circling group. 
one of the people might be the focal person for this exercise and they'll share with the group something that they're dealing with, um, some struggle that they're having, some conundrum that they're trying to figure out. And then um, the whole point of it is to get their world. So all of the input from the other, from the circlers has to reference the focal person. Can't bring it back to yourself unless it's, um, I feel X when you share this. How does that land for you? But it's not about switching the focus uh, back onto me. And that alone is worth the price of admission in circling work because you realize how utterly habituated you are to bringing the attention back to yourself in any given conversation. Um, or at least splitting the time with somebody else. And this is not that. This is how does it feel to be you? What can we do to help draw you more deeply into yourself? Okay. So, um, for instance, in, these are the kind of statements I remember hearing in, in, in circling. And I'm still in one of these groups. You seem frustrated. Does that fit for you? Mm. Or I feel restless when you talk about your work and kind of bored, but I feel really engaged when you're talking about your family. How does it feel to hear that? Or um, I did this one the other day. I notice your eyes dart around a lot when you're talking about your father. Uh, what, what's going on for you in those moments when you talk about him? Uh, or even just uh, let me pause you there for a moment. So I understand what you're saying. And, and this is one of the, the, um, the, the revelations to me is you can interrupt people. I always, I have this thing that it's not polite to interrupt people, but encircling, as long as you're trying to clarify something, it's cool. Or you spoke a minute ago about jealousy. What's jealousy like for you? You know, so these are the kind of statements that you make in circling, but the point is you keep it focused on the focal person and you don't keep dragging it back to you or using questions kind of like a, a like a conversational form of in-air refueling, you know, you got to keep it on the other guy. And, you know, so you, you've been in a couple of circling meetings and of course you're a therapist. So how does this, these kind of techniques strike you? Yeah. When you were speaking to that and some of the examples that you gave me, I was thinking, wow, I just almost said that sentence, you know, today in session, or, you know, I think the one part of, of being a therapist is being really curious and interested in people's world and stories mm. and try to inquire deeper into it. And um, so I think that many times people feel safe with me of doing that because they feel that genuine interest, like the focal point, like you're saying, is on the receiver, is yeah. the person that's being inquired. And many times that's what partners, especially I would mm -hmm. say female partners really want is to be really seen and heard deeply to be able to express their emotional world. Um, and I was just thinking one thing was, you know, you being a, you being a journalist, a past journalist, I use this term to people hey, be an emotional journalist. A journalist doesn't conclude. Mm -hmm. A journalist keeps asking questions, yeah. find out more information. And so Good. even though you say that it's uh, awkward for you in some way, 
I experience you to be very good at that. You know, when, when, you know, one of the, one of the things between our relationship is how I love that we do give each other that space, but I would just speak for my experience of how you give me that space of inquire and focus on me and asking questions. As a matter of fact, the other day I was with Rainbow and I was saying, I want to call in some, some new friends. And she's like, okay, like what characteristics? I'm like, just like Greg, you know, <laughs> I want to focus on like that. A lot of, a lot of good inquiry, a lot of good emotional connection, fun, um, great humor, mm. loves to be outside. And, um, but that quality um, that you have that I think is pretty innate in you. So mm. I, I'll put it back to you in some ways. Yeah. How is that? How is it awkward in your experience when I experience you to, to be really good at that? Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. Um, and I've always thought of myself as fairly gifted in this department. And the thing you said about feeling safe is so important in this kind of work and has always been important to me um, that people feel safe and trusting around me. Um, and uh, plus, I am also just plain old curious anyway. And I actually do want to know what's going on with other people and I want to understand. But um, through the process of circling, for instance, I've really seen how I can, how a question can actually be an agenda. Mm. It's not as innocent as it may seem. Um, I'm trying to think of specific examples, but I certainly have actually learned this in journalism too. There's really almost no such thing as an objective question or objectivity. But, um, you know, if I say, um, um, let me see, it's how you ask it. I think you get it intuitively what I mean by a question can be an agenda. If I'm asking you something that's really, I want to kind of lead you toward what I think is really going on with you. You don't really try to, want to go to Indian food tonight, do you? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or you're pretty angry at your father for abandoning your family, aren't you? Aren't you? And don't you think that that shows up in our relationship that way? Because yeah, right. Or, you, do you experience yourself that way? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, really anything that starts with don't you think yeah. is a question that's really advice posed as a question. Right. You know, um, so I've seen how I can try to lead somebody to what I think is really going on for them, because what I want is what they refer to in circling as the pop. I want, I want to get, I want to go for the pop. I want somebody to have a catharsis, a revelation, a realization, a breakdown. I want to, I want to bring them. And we all seem to suffer from this encircling. I've seen it happen a lot. We want the person to um, cry. Mm. We want the person because that's, that's the kind of revelation that leads to healing, I think, often. And so sometimes the questions can be agendas. And sometimes the focal person will catch you in the act. They'll say, you know, especially a, a, a more um, accomplished circler will say, so I'm sensing that there's an agenda there. Am I right? Mm. And they'll throw it back on you and you'll have to go, yeah, actually I do. Mm -hmm. This is what I think is going on in you. And I'm trying to get you to agree with me to see it. Um, but what, but in circling, you can, you can almost say something like that, but you have to follow it up with how does that land for you? Is that true for you? Um, 
But this, you know, you probably know this about any psychotechnology, any methodology, they can all be taken advantage of. Right. You know, so I can say, um, I think you're full of crap. How does that land for you? Right. You know, or uh, I think you're missing the point entirely. How does that feel to hear that? So you can kind of get your agenda in as long as you follow it up with, it's sort of like living in the South. One of the things I learned about living in Asheville all these years is this um, bless your heart thing. And you can say just about any nasty thing about somebody as long as you follow it up with that. So is that, is, is that boy of yours out of jail yet? Bless his heart. <laughs> You know, yeah. um, and circling can be a little bit like that too, but it's really up-leveled compared to most conversation I have found um, because people are really uh, attempting to keep the attention on somebody else and to get their world. And so what, what would I have to say? What would I have to ask to really put myself in that person's shoes and look out at the world through their eyes. And that really changes the whole tenor of a conversation when your agenda is that. Yeah. And I would imagine that the receiver, the person who, who is circled, one challenge that they have is, is vulnerability and self-disclosure. If, oh, yeah. if you're not really a yeah. self-reflective person that's comfortable with disclosing your, your thoughts or inner emotions and so forth, that could be really a challenge. It could be almost threatening that you put on the yes. spot as opposed to very inviting of, ah, I get to express my thoughts and my feelings because you are, you are welcoming it and you are asking. Um, right. I think most people, you had said earlier that um, women especially like this um, sort of conversational style. I'm, I'm learning that men really are hungry for it also. Hmm. Um, we've just been way less trained in in having these kind of um, emotional conversations than women have. But I'm there. Are, interestingly enough, there are as many men in the circling groups I've been in as women, and I'm kind of oh, surprised by that. That's um, surprising. But men, we all seem to be really hungry to be got, to be grokked, um, to feel like we can step into this vulnerable space and be witnessed and loved. Maybe, maybe more, most importantly, to be loved and respected in our vulnerability, in our confusion, in our humanity. And circling is really one of the most amazing techniques I've ever seen for giving people exactly that experience. So have you, have you ever been the focal person in a circling group? Yeah. When you uh, introduced me to Mo some years ago, she had a group and I came to a few and I absolutely loved it um, huh. because the, I was new to the group. I think there was four or five women and they automatically chose me to, to circle first. Huh. And it was wonderful, especially because being a therapist, I'm, I slip real easy into the role of being the inquisitor to hold space mm. for people, ask questions. And, right. and I self-disclose only in ways to benefit my client. This I got, I was, you know, carte blanche of people really curious and asking me about my world and that I did not have to take care of them Ooh. in any way. That's, that was the beauty. I think also, because some of my conditioning is, um, you know, even if somebody, you know, deflects and comes back after they ask a question, I have to watch my tendency to, 
you know, take care of them or ask them more questions instead of saying, wait a second, you know, you just asked me a question, I answered it, and you deflected it back to yourself to mm. try to come to some commonality with me. Mm. I'd love you to stay focused on me. You know, those are, they're challenging for me to do. I want to do more of that. It was, it was, um, it was relieving to have that experience. It was wonderful to, I don't experience this myself so much in my relationship with, with Rainbow, but I think as a, as a man, most men feel that a woman, when women hear men out, they want to change their man. They want to like criticize them. You know, men feel very criticized here over and over. Mm. it's, It's very seldom that women do not come with that agenda of changing a man, but being very, very, open and interested so right. that's one reason why men like you're saying are very hungry for that also i think so yeah i think that's part of the beauty and the strength of um a technique like circling is the the attempt is not to change people it's to um there's this wonderful quaker phrase that they use in some of their techniques is uh, listening each other's souls into discovery mm. um and i love that I think that's what circling is doing uh, is giving people the experience of really just being able to see what they feel and see what they know and, and um, really just be able to spin out the experience that they're having um, in a very safe environment and where people are not trying to change them, but just trying to help them know what they already know at some level or see what it is they need to discover in a situation that they're struggling with. And uh, it's transformative. It's amazing to me what happens to people under the influence of being circled, the way that their shoulders relax and their breathing relaxes and they cry and they um, feel loved and with consent, they're touched in a really um, compassionate way. Um, It's just kind of amazing what happens no matter how guarded people are. Um, in this process, and some people really are just padded up to the hilt. Um, what happens when they start to get it that they're not, tr- nobody's trying to change them. They're trying to understand them. And that's, and, the part, that's the part where people can really understand about conflict. You know, if when we have conflict, it's there to get understanding. And usually yeah. we don't do that so well when we're in conflict. We're trying to vie for our side and try to tell the other person what they're doing wrong and so forth. But and if, if we can implement some of what you're talking about to be understood or try to understand in conflict, I would imagine that this would be a, a really good technique to, to do that. Oh, absolutely. And it really highlights part of the challenge of it for me is it really highlights how often I don't do that stuff in conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, how often I do try to get a word in edgewise or bring the attention back to me or try to fix somebody um, or h- just plain old hijack the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, it's like I said, it's unlearning as much as learning going on here. And it's challenging. It's challenging to want to put yourself into a position where you're having to unlearn lifelong habits in any arena. Yeah. Um, how do you Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. How have you implemented that in your relationship with Cindy, your 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 personal intimate well, relationship? Well, yeah. You know what's interesting? I'm I'm not the only one who's had this uh, this uh, 
experience doing circling, I've heard it from a number of other people in some of the other groups that I've been in, is that for one thing, people suddenly begin to feel like they're not willing to settle for less in their other relationships. So here they're going once a week, in this case, to a circling group, and they're having this really, truly transformative experience of of, uh, connection with other people, connection. And then they're going back to their day-to-day relationships, whether it's at work or family members or friends, colleagues, partners, whatever. And they're really seeing how this doesn't happen there. And they're feeling frustrated. And people have talked about this and I've talked about it. Um, We don't want to settle for less anymore. It's like we've gotten a taste of the honey of real connection with other people. And we don't feel like going back to vinegar. Mm. And uh, so it's a, it's a bit of a crisis is probably not overstating it for people of, well, now what? It's like, I'm really seeing the ways that my styles of communications don't work with other relationships or my other relationships are not as deep and connected as I want them to be. And I'm bored with them. Right. Uh, do I try to bring circling into my other relationships? Like, Oh my God, this one kid came into the, circling group um, in Asheville, the one I was in in Asheville, he was the partner of a woman who was there, who of all things was, I remember, some kind of a relationship counselor. But her, her guy was a skeptic from the second he walked in there. Arms were crossed the entire time, is really provocative questions, um, really kind of, you know, Cro-Magnon kind of communicator compared to what was happening in the circle. And at one point he calls everybody on it. He, he just says, um, wow, this all sounds so phony and forced and inauthentic. Like who the hell talks like this? If you guys want people to get involved in this movement of yours, you need to make it less phony and weird. Hmm. And Oh, it was such a showstopper. And it was so great because I totally got what he was talking about. If you listen to the languaging in in a circling group from the outside, it really does sound kind of awkward. Like, really, people don't talk like this. Um, What I notice about you is X. How does that land for you? I mean, nobody says that kind of stuff in casual conversation. And, And of course, this will sound quote, phony and forced to an uninitiated ear, you know, because most people's ears are not myself included, not familiar with this way of relating. Yeah. Most people don't, you know, say, so this is what I hear you saying, or when you say that, I feel this, or I imagine that about you, or what I think I get about you when you speak this way is thus and such. Um, You know, I just really... I really get how tough it is to try to bring circling work out into your other relationships without some serious prep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, I've been introducing more of this uh, with my partner, Cindy, and she and I have also done some circling work together in, in groups. So she's familiar with it, but even so it's sometimes hard to, um, kind of break through the crust of familiarity, the way we're used to communicating about stuff and actually use the techniques, use the language. Um, but again, the results, 
that's that's where the rubber meets the road. It's you see the results when you really um, try to get into somebody else's world and understand them from the inside out. It's a whole nother ball game. There you go. So when when you're bringing that into into your relationship, do you preface it by okay, we're gonna do a circling technique now, or is it just like seamless that you just go ahead and implement it? And she kind of knows uh, there's a different focus here, or I'm just curious, like, how do you, how do you transition that into your yeah. conversation? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's in the seamless department just yet, um, because we are talking about 65 some odd years of um, a certain kind of communication styles. And even after a year of practicing circling techniques, it doesn't feel seamless. So sometimes I have to preface it by saying, um, mind if I try out some of our my circling chops <laughs> right mm -hmm. now? And she'll, in this particular case, she'll say, sure. Um, if it's anybody else, like my brother, for instance, who's not familiar with it, um, I might have to preface it a little bit more by saying, so I've been in this group and this is the kind of thing we do can I practice this on you right now? Hmm. And, you know, he'll, he'll be like, sure. And he, you know, he sort of agrees sometimes with that young fellow who came into the circling group in Nashville. It's like, yeah, it feels a little awkward. Um, but I don't want to, I don't want that to stop us from trying it. Right. Uh, because any new skill is going to feel awkward when it's new, <laughs> no matter what it is. Um, whether it's musical or vocational or relational, any new skill is going to have a, a, a bumpy phase before it becomes second nature. And this isn't any exception. Right. So there will be an awkward phase of trying this out. But the, the most important thing to focus on is the, the effect. It's the impact in, in the relationships of when I really come from a place of genuine curiosity, rather than trying to make a point or win an argument or fix them and problem solve, um, because people can pick that out in parts per million. Right. They, you know, they know when they're being lectured at, even when you try to lay it between the lines. Um, but there's a whole nother feeling of feeling like somebody is really trying to understand me. And even though it may be awkward, I appreciate the gesture. I appreciate the intention. I just remember, you know, being a teenager, even younger, that I had one aunt that would just ask me a lot of questions. And I was like, <laughs> wow, she is so different from everybody else <laughs> in my family. And I really liked being around her because she really wanted to see me. And mm. just that, just that, that she just asked questions um, made me feel uh, not just safe with her, but also I wanted to show up. And, and those questions made me think even deeper and re more reflected upon myself. So, yeah. you know, I think that anytime that we even attempt to want to get to know somebody and um, I, when somebody wants to get to know me, they can bumble all they want. I know they're, <laughs> you know, so I think what you're saying of like, yeah, it's, it's different. It's awkward. It's not what we're used to, but this, just the intention to really want to know somebody's world, especially when there might be a disagreement or a conflict that 
the other person is just not trying to push their agenda and trying to convince me of their experience instead of like, I want to know your experience. I want to know right. how feeling. I want to know how, what my experience, how that's landing for you. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. it's game changing to be on the receiving end of that. Hmm. At least that's what I have found. Um, you know, what's also interesting about the technique is that they, they try to, as they put it, they try to keep it in the room. Um, so there's no um, future. There's no, if you stop doing X, what do you think would happen kind of questions? And there's no, tell me about your dad when you were a little kid. There's no going in the past. The point is to keep it in the room, keep it in present tense. What's going on in your body right now as you talk about your dad? Or, um, you know, but the point is to not jump into the future or the past with it. So no fast forwarding questions. Um, and I, I've been caught by some of the facilitators uh, by, for doing exactly that. But I've been caught by the facilitators. These people are really well-trained to mind sweep for all these little tactics we have um, to yank conversations away from other people or tell them what to do or tell them what's going on with them. They're really well-trained to do that. And so they're trying to amplify the practices that are known to create connection, such as, you know, like you said about your aunt, curiosity or empathy or, you know, vulnerability, appreciation, as you well know, uh, creates connection, undivided attention. So they're, they're trying to amplify the practices that help people actually really connect with one another, if not themselves. And they're trying to uh, minimize the practices that are known to create disconnection between people like judgment. Right. And agenda and opinion and psychoanalyzing and questions that that are more like interrogation than than um, curiosity. Um, so especially, especially questions that I know people they have these questions already in their mind and they're not really listening to the answer. They're exactly about the next question that's coming up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And this is tough to not. To, to kind of rein yourself in from, at least I find it that way. It's tough to rein myself in from doing all that. Um, another one that's really big, I think I alluded to this earlier, is people really want to go for that aha. They want the focal person. They want anybody who's suffering and struggling to stop suffering and struggling. They, they want to heal them. They want to empower them. They want to be the coach and the advisor and, um, you know, go for the emotional release and emotional release is great, but people don't want to be, you know, like cornered into doing that. Right. They just want to get in touch with what they're really feeling. And the, the pop happens by itself. Right. If it's going to happen. So it's really challenging to feel on the edge all the freaking time in these circling groups, like even trained facilitators, trained teachers and journalists like myself. I'm, I'm always feeling like I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And to make, just to be at peace with, I'm learning new skills and unlearning old ones. Of course, I'm going to feel off balance. Right. Just let it be. Yeah. Mm. So I'm, I'm curious what other observations you had about the process from the, the times that you sat in on the circling groups. Yeah. Any well, one part was you discussed earlier about the, some of the difference between when, when somebody is giving a, 
uh, a supportive uh, mm. uh, conversation, a, a, a supportive response, as opposed to what was the other? The a other shift thing? response. Yeah. Can you, can you talk about that? Because that's what I experienced. I experienced so much. That was the beauty of it. I, I experienced so much of mm. supportive responses where I'm used to shifting responses. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're all used to this. It's really easy to catch. Um, especially when you start noticing it in people's conversations or your conversations with people, it's really hard to not notice it once you've noticed it. So there's this attention giving tactic, which is, they call it a support response, which means encouraging the other guy to talk, right? And then there's the opposite of this, which they call the shift response, which is constantly shifting the focus back to you. So if somebody says they're having a tough day, um, and you say, me too. That's a shift. And we've all heard people do this. You say to somebody, oh man, I'm having a really hard day. And the, the person you're saying it to says, yeah, me too. And then they start talk, telling you about their day. Yeah. They've totally hijacked the conversation from you. But if, they, if you say, I'm having a hard day, and they say, how come? Mm -hmm. That is support. Right. And, and, you know, and you're, you're prioritizing in a sense, connection over competition when you do that. Um, and this is especially tough, I think, for anybody. And I was thinking about this the other day about circling. This is tough for anybody who associates circling behavior with sharks and vultures. <laughs> you know? Um, but um, once you start catching these little quirks in conversation, you know, you have the opportunity to change them up. And I think what's interesting is there are some people that feel the shift is actually support. Like if, if they say, uh, one person says, you know, I went to the Monet exhibit. And the person says, so did I. It, some people think, well, that's the way that I'm connecting with you, to bond with you, to let you know oh. understand. Uh -huh. and I, I can understand that that's the period, maybe the initial, but it doesn't, it doesn't end there because usually that person keeps talking about their own experience and yeah not, say the shift or right not leaving room for the other person yeah to... now i because i've now been in some of the circling groups um for a, a little while now you can really see it on somebody's face when they've had the conversation conversational rug yanked out from under them <laughs> you can really see it um because you, they just look a little frustrated, their eyes flick sideways for a second, they, their fingers start drumming. That You can just see when they feel a little deflated. Yeah, and they want to say, shut the fuck up, but is that- Yes! Can you, can you do that? <laughs> um, well, I've heard people say that in, uh -huh. in, uh, in circling. Yeah. Um, shut the fuck yeah. up, I'm talking. I'm the one that you're supposed to be focusing right. on. Right. Yeah. Generally, we, we're nicer about it because the whole MO is sort of to be- nicer about these right. kind of communications, but, but people sometimes say, you know, I feel like you just totally took the, com the conversational wind out of my sails by bringing it back to you. I'd like to finish what I was saying. Okay. Yeah. And in um, couples relationships, they usually say, this is not about you. I want to talk <laughs> right. that in, but that's yeah. And, and people get defensive about it, but if they know that, yes, when we do do that, we are bringing it back to ourselves and we're, in some way, having the other person have to attend to our agenda again, because yeah, collecting by the interruption. Right. And, you know, it's also 
okay to just ask for the, you say, I really need some time right now. I really just want to spill this out. And um, I would love it if you'd ask me questions or help me get to the bottom of it, but don't try to fix it or change me or anything like that. Just give me, give me some attention. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's okay to ask for that. I think that brings up a lot of vulnerability for people is uh, admitting that they need help, right. you know, with the implication of their shortcomings or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, I'm, um, I'm in this hybrid phase uh, to borrow a term from the pandemic where I'm in between um, some old ways of communicating and some brand new ones that are relatively speaking untested. Mm. Um, and it's an awkward phase and that's just the way it is. And I'm just trying to let myself feel awkward or caught when a facilitator says, um, so Greg, I'm, I'm feeling there was an agenda in there and here's what I heard. Um, can you reframe that question? And I feel embarrassed mm -hmm. to be caught in, in an old uh, pattern that doesn't ultimately lend itself to really connecting with a person and having them felt, feel connected with yeah. that feeling of being grokked. Mm. So great term. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's wonderful, man. I'm I'm excited that that you're so into it and and the vulnerability of the novelty in some way of of how you said you're in the hybrid mode of, of really shifting the way and you're coming up with curiosity, but also the beautiful aspect of humility and humbleness around it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's an acquired taste. <laughs> uh, but you know what else I'm learning people about this, this process, this authentic relating work is um, it's challenging the story that I have in my head that intimacy and trust necessarily take a long time to develop. It's just a story I've got that those things are so big and deep and important that they're going to take years to develop real trust. And, and I, to some degree, I get that. And I think it's true. But some of the authentic relating work is teaching me that to a great degree, that's not actually the case. You can drop, I can drop into depth with a complete stranger in literally minutes. You know, um, I mean, for instance, the first time you met Mo Bruce, remember we're, we're in that little cafe downtown. And one of the first questions she asked you is, so tell me something about you that reveals something about who you are. Remember this? Yeah, she didn't say, so what do you do? And her second question was, tell me what brings you alive or something. Yeah. yeah exactly. And, and that really, I, I, I felt so close with her. And that's the other thing that when you asked about my experience in the circling, you're exactly right. There was three strangers there and I felt really close to them afterwards. Mm, and just right. a 40-minute interaction. Exactly. And so I think that's been good for me and maybe good for other people to really realize that trust and intimacy can be built quickly with people. Mm. Um, and I don't necessarily mean the airplane stranger scenario where you spill your, your guts to a complete stranger and then walk away. I'm talking about actual, real, genuine connection. Yeah. Yep. So that's been a revelation to me. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah. 
Well, thanks so much, man, for yeah. for uh, telling us some of this experience and planting some seeds for people to relate differently to each other, especially in in all kinds of experimentations and relationships. And um, in the show notes, you'll you you can send me over some circling groups that people might be able to access nationally or so forth. Do they have that? Do they have? Yes, they yeah. do. And I'd be delighted to pass that along. There's uh, easily a dozen groups around the world who are really focused on this. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Cool. All, right. All right, man. Well, once again, thank you for an, an engaging conversation. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I'm looking forward to, to doing it again. All right, same here. All right, brother. I love you, man. I love you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Relationships, Let's Talk About It, is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prebo Teplitsky, visit prebo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.